If you look at mental health and especially the mental health of teens and young adults, it kind of was stable until 2012. And then teens and young adults' mental health got way worse starting in the year 2012. Something else that happened in the year 2012 is that was the year that social media and smartphones were much more prevalently used. So I do want to acknowledge that correlation is not causation. This, the stats major in me wants to acknowledge that these studies don't show that smartphones and social media cause depression and mental health challenges. But I personally believe, as I've learned more, that there is a strong association between smartphones and social media and mental health challenges. That being said, smartphones are not going away and social media is not going away. And I really believe that there's so much good that can come from smartphones and social media. And that's why I'm on this mission and this journey to learn how to embrace the good and set up appropriate boundaries and be mindful and aware so that we are not being so negatively impacted by the potential harmful effects of smartphones and social media. So with May being Mental Health Awareness Month, and as I've been thinking about this and how social media and smartphones can impact us, I wanted to share my mental health journey in this episode today. Do you ever find yourself turning to your phone without even thinking about it? Or do you get sucked into scrolling and regret not using that time for something else? You are not alone. I'm Alex, a screen time mentor for young moms, and I'm here to help you get a grip on your own screen time so you can be present, intentional, and live a more fulfilling life. Welcome to the Mindful with Media podcast. Welcome to the podcast today. So it's really been amazing to reflect on my life the last year and the last few years and to see how my phone use has changed to be more aligned with how I want to be using it. And I always want to be careful with how I say this, not that I improved my phone use or that it's better because it's so, what's that, arbitrary, ambiguous? (laughs) Basically, it's just a choice of how you want to use your phone and there's not a bad way to use your phone. It's just whether it's how you want to and whether it aligns with how you want to. So I used to use my phone in a way that I didn't want to. Lots of mindless scrolling, just turning to it instead of actually coping with my emotions and... I feel like now I use it as a tool to support my values and to live in the way that I want to. And it's, it's interesting reflecting on this because likely my mental health is in a much better place and that's why I'm using my phone better. But also I think because I'm using my phone better, that's also impacting my mental health. So they kind of both impact each other. It goes hand in hand, I guess kind of just, there's always a lot you could share in a mental health journey, but I think that I've always had this like hidden anxiety. I always liked to be in control. For example, in high school, I would always want to be the one to drive or I would like to drive separately so that I could be in control of when I left a party. And I always liked to go to bed at a certain time. And just looking back at my life, I liked to be in control of the situation. But when I really kind of started on what I call my mental health journey was in May of 2020. So I think a lot of people realized that they were struggling with 
mental illness in one way or another because the whole world shut down. But mine, I don't know if it was directly related to the pandemic because I also got engaged in spring of 2020. So I had previously in my life, I had loved serving and helping people. That was a big part of my personality. And I also loved being in control of situations and making sure that my needs were met. I liked to go to bed early, get enough sleep, go running. And so then when I was engaged and I suddenly had another person and another person's family that I also wanted to be serving and helping, I couldn't and I wasn't as in control as much. So in May of 2020, I experienced my first panic attack. And the way that my panic attacks manifest themselves is my wrists seize up and I can't bend them and then my hands kind of get deformed and um, really stiff and I can't move them. And then if I don't get out of it soon enough, then it kind of leads to other parts of my body where I just totally seize up and stiffen up. So this happened in May of 2020 and it was really scary. I didn't know what was happening or why it was happening. So after I had that first panic attack in May of 2020, I met with a therapist for my first time and it was not a great fit. So I stopped that after one meeting, thought I was in a good place because I would work through a lot of things with people that were close to me and kind of realizing why that had happened and things I could implement to prevent that from happening again. But then I had a couple more panic attacks that summer. And so then in August of 2020, I started meeting with a different therapist and she was a much better fit for me. And I learned some really good skills when I worked with her. And I think that the first thing was I thought I was going to go to her and tell her all these things that were happening and going on. And I wanted her to change these people that were close to me and make them stop doing these things. But I realized with meeting with her that I had my own things that I needed to work through and that I have power over my emotions and my thoughts. And I I just was felt like I was a lot more in control, even though initially I wanted her to change these other people and not to change me. (laughs) Um, I also learned about the concept of rain, which is where you instead of just like pushing away emotions, you allow those emotions to help you and you actually feel those emotions. So it's an acronym. R stands for recognize. So name the emotion that you're feeling. A stands for accept. So let yourself feel that emotion. I is investigate. So ask yourself questions like, Where am I feeling this emotion? Is it in my chest? Is it in my head? Is it in my stomach? And then N is to nurture. So um, kind of two different ways that I usually do this. Sometimes I remember my therapist literally had me like give myself a hug, which kind of sounds silly, but just nurture yourself. And then also, what does this feeling need from you? During this time I was working with this therapist, I also realized that I would often just like push past feelings until I would explode and have a panic attack. So she would have me set alarms on my phone to just kind of check in with myself throughout the day. And 
do something about it before it escalated into a panic attack. And that was really helpful. And I think that principle has still been helpful. So I think I stopped meeting with her after a few months. And I was also pregnant at this time. So I was in like a fine-ish place until my son was born in March of 2021. And after he was born, I had a horrible postpartum infection. And that was really hard physically and how that impacted me, you know, mentally and emotionally and just exhausting in all the ways. And then I also had some personal things come up that were really hard. And I was just in a really, really dark place. Oh, and I was also like getting used to taking care of a new baby. And that transition to being a stay-at-home mom was so, so hard for me. And I had always dreamed of being a stay-at-home mom. Like I got my bachelor's degree in statistics. And so people would always ask, what did I want to do with a degree in statistics? And my answer was always to be a stay-at-home mom. So this is something that I was really looking forward to, but I did not anticipate how bored I would feel and how isolated I would feel. And just, it was really, really hard for me. And so the summer after my son was born, I did a few therapy sessions, but I think I was also really stressed about like if it was worth the money, which now when I view therapy, I'm like, heck yes, it's worth the money, but I was in a really bad dark place. So I wasn't sure. So when my son was about six months old is when I also had this idea to start Mindful with Media. So I was starting to post on Instagram about that. And that was helpful for me to have something outside of just caregiving that was good for me personally. But I would be doing fine for a while and then I would have another panic attack. And I kept thinking that like once something would happen, then I'd be okay. So like once I could start running again, then I'll be okay. Or once B sleeps through the night, then I'll be okay. Or once we move to a new place and I have more friends, then I'll be okay. Or like I just kept thinking it was the situation that was the problem. So then in December of 2021, when my son was like, what, nine months old, we felt like we needed to have another baby, which logically did not make sense. Like I was in such a bad place. I'd had this horrible postpartum infection. It, It did not make sense logically to have a baby, but we really felt like we, it was the right thing. So got pregnant. And then in January of 2022, I found a therapist that specialized in maternal mental health because I was pregnant and also had a 10-month-old. <laughs> and kind of during this time, so I'm like really lonely, having a lot of depressive episodes because I was just so down and lonely. And I remember in particular this one day, I found out something about a friend that was really, really painful for me to find out. And I called my sister just sobbing and just really not in a good place. And she helped me work through it and all of that. But she said to me, like, life is hard and like, this is painful for sure. But 
it's not supposed to be this hard. And it was the same thing with like this loneliness that I was feeling in motherhood. Anytime somebody couldn't do something, I was just so down and so sad. And basically my sister helped me recognize that it might be a good time to explore the idea of medication. And I was really, really afraid of medication and I really did not think that I needed medication. But my sister really helped me to just at least start that process of seeing if this might be a good thing. And so she took my son and helped me make the phone call to actually set up the appointment. And I met with the doctor who would be prescribing the medication and I was really afraid to start taking medication because of the side effects that I knew about, the potential side effects. I didn't want to be like dependent on something and I was also pregnant at the time and I was really worried about how that would impact my baby. And so I wanted it to be really worth it if I was going to get on medication. I wanted it to know it was absolutely the right thing and the only option. It was like the last thing I wanted to do. So I was prescribed the medication, I went to pick it up, but then I was too scared to take it. So it just sat in my car for a month and eventually went bad from the heat. But at this time I'm, you know, thinking, should I take it? Should I not start it? I don't know. And I had another panic attack and it was a pretty extreme one. And it was in that moment when I was seized up and couldn't care for myself, let alone my son or this baby that I was about to give birth to. And I really felt like for me, it was safer for my son and my soon to be born daughter. It was safer for me to be on medication. And so I started the medication and I was what, like seven months pregnant at the time. And it made me really nauseous. I threw up a lot and I was a lot of back and forth of like, is this really worth it? And after taking it for about a month, I checked back in with my doctor. And before that appointment, I was asking my husband, Matt, like, I think I was saying to him, I really don't think this is making that big of a difference. I don't think it's worth it. And he was like, are you kidding me? Look at all of these specific situations where in the past you would have had a panic attack. And you were like a little bit emotional, but you were able to handle those emotions. And so... I realized that the medication really was helping and it was working. And after my baby was born, the nausea completely went away. So I think it was probably just some sort of combination of the medication and being pregnant. But I feel like now that I'm on medication, so I still take that medication to this day. And let's see, I started it almost a year ago, a year ago in July. And I still have ups and downs and stress and anxiety and sadness and all those things that used to like I used to spiral when I would feel those things or have those experiences but I'm able to actually use the tools that I've learned in therapy before it escalates to an extreme and so for me the right thing has been to be on medication and like I mentioned earlier it's really cool to kind of see how my phone use and social media use has impacted my mental health and how my mental health has impacts my social media use because it's really common when we are feeling an uncomfortable emotion to turn to our phones and just pacify it. But it's so much better for me personally when I'm feeling an uncomfortable emotion. Sometimes do I turn to my phone? 
100% totally. I am not perfect at like feeling all the feelings because holy cow, it can be hard to feel feelings. But a lot of times it really helps me when I have that urge to avoid whatever emotion I'm feeling, even just to say it out loud. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling meh and I don't know why. I'm feeling bored. Just saying what I'm feeling is so powerful just to recognize that feeling. And then awesome if I can take the next step. And that's why I'm actually so excited for this month's workshop. It will be on May 25th and there will also be a replay sent out. But we're going to be talking about healthy ways to cope with those common triggers of overwhelm, loneliness, and boredom, how to cope with those in ways other than turning to your phone that are actually realistic. So I'll put the link in the show notes to register for that. It's $15 and these workshops are seriously my favorite thing. I learn so much from them. It's from you who come to them. And if you're worried about like showing your face or talking about these vulnerable things, sign up for this one. You can watch the replay and see if you want to come to the next one live, or you can always just watch the replay. They really are a safe, fun environment. That's something that's really important to me. So that's just a little bit of my mental health journey. I always am open to talking about things. If you ever have questions about things, or I think there's no dumb question, just because this process of figuring out therapists and medication and do I need help or do I not need help? And I don't know. It's confusing and it's a lot and it's stressful. I just feel like I wanted to share this and share a little bit more about my story and my journey and where I'm at now because I really do think mental health and our phone use goes hand in hand. Thank you for listening today. I'll say it every week that it really does mean so much to me that you would take the time to listen. If you found something helpful from this episode today, would you share it with someone? You can either text it to them or tell a family member about it or share it on social media. I would really appreciate that. Thank you so much for listening to my story today and I will see you next week. I believe we should stop focusing on the negative aspects of screens and start using them as tools to support our values. We are the first generation learning to navigate this media saturated society and it is not easy. You don't have to be perfect, but as you are mindful, Technology can be a tool to help you thrive. We're in this together as we figure out how to live a present, intentional life in this world consumed by screens. If you appreciated this podcast, would you make sure to leave a review and subscribe? I'm so glad you could be here today and I'll see you next week.